Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So on today's episode, I want to talk to you about how to use a saw. Um, And I think it's really important because you may be extremely smart. Um, And, you know, even when I meet fellows, I mean, there's a lot of fellows I meet that are smarter than I am and have, you know, published a whole lot more articles than I have. But what I'm really interested as far as skills um, is what is their hand-eye coordination? And commonly I'll ask people, like, what was the last thing that you built? Because if someone says, oh, you know, I, I built a boat or I built a house or a deck, um, when they do something constructive with their hands, it teaches them things that are really hard to teach without time and repetition. Um, so you can read a lot and memorize and quote articles, uh, but also there is a big portion of our job which requires you to build. You know, you need to have good hand-eye coordination. You need to have good 3D spatial perception. So if you haven't done any of that, um, find some hobby where you can start to learn those things. You know, I do a lot of fly fishing. Um, I tie a lot of flies. You know, that's uh, one thing that I do at home a lot, which, you know, kind of works on my hands. Um, I grew up playing the piano, but I also grew up building a lot of stuff. I built a lot of climbing walls. You know, I built decks and, you know, I always did stuff and was building things. You know, a friend needed a roof redone. We redid the roof. Um, So I'm not saying go out and buy a whole bunch of power tools and potentially chop off a finger, but if you have access to things that you can do constructively with your hands, you know, just practice building um, and, and work on your non-dominant hand, especially if you have kids and you're coloring with them, you know, and you're right-handed, you know, color with your left hand, you know, just work on your deficiencies. Um, but even simple things like if you're, you know, a student and intern and you're working on suturing skills, the OR is not the place to practice tying stitches. You know, this is you talk to the OR, you find if there's been some wasted sutures and you go home and you just practice and you practice and practice and practice and practice until you got it perfect. So when you come to the operating room, you can learn other stuff. You can, you're not there to learn to tie a knot. Um, but when it comes to surgery, up until recently, it was very difficult to practice. Um, so I think what's great now, um, I've had a couple talks and discussions with them. Um, we currently don't have it, um, but it's something I think is really interesting. And I think some institutions are now starting to get it is fundamental surgery, um, group out of England, um, has created the first good platform with virtual reality and haptics. So, you know, this way, if you're a younger, your resident, you know, your facility has this, you can slap on the VR goggles and you got the haptic controls and, you know, you could run 10, 100, 1,000 total knees or total hips and get used to those techniques. And obviously it's going to be different, um, but you need to start building up some muscle memory and the feel. You know, I think many, even if you're like the first year resident, you know, you've at least in your first week, you've put a screw in and you understand the idea of plunging. And it's a feel of when you have the drill in your hand and you're going through the far cortex, you know, how much pressure do you have? When do you let off that pressure so you don't plunge? 
And the same holds true in a total knee replacement with the saw. You know, the idea of plunging um, is dangerous because there's bad structures behind the knee and on the sides of the knee. And if you do not control the saw, you could take out the artery, take out a ligament, take out a tendon, and that can be catastrophic. So you need to have good control of the saw. But what I really want to talk about though today are things that you can hear and listen to and take to the operating room in a way to make you better. Um, and I think one of the best ways to learn um, is to watch people that are better than you. So if you have a chief resident who's got great hands, or if you work with an attending, do not feel jaded that they're doing the case that you think should be your case, but really spend the time to watch every single thing that they do with their whole body. You know, a lot of times in the beginning, we're really interested in steps. So you're trying to think of the steps, but you don't really think of the specifics of how to do each step. You're like, okay, I got to cut the distal femur, then I have to size it, then I have to throw in the four-in-one cutting guide. But I want you to really watch where they put both hands. You know, do they hold the saw with one hand or two hands? Do they hold up the handle? Do they hold the battery? Do they hold the top of the saw? Do they rest their arm on the tibia or the femur or do they rest their elbows on their body? But what you'll start to notice is that every person that you work with that has good control, they're going to find some way to brace their hands because, you know, the saw has some weight to it, you know, and it's not super heavy, but when you're trying to control this thing and you're trying to move that blade through space a couple centimeters, even through a cutting guide, there is a tendency for people to drop or move or shift their hands. So you want to watch and pick up little tips and pearls on where they put their hands, and depending on if I'm cutting the femur, the tibia, or the right knee or left knee, because I'm right-handed, I brace my arms in different ways. Occasionally, I'll brace my elbow sort of on my hip. Um, occasionally, I'll grab the saw um, behind the saw blade, but sort of up by the insertion collet of the blade to control medial lateral position if I need to control the saw well in a narrow space. Um, but I'll also commonly take sort of my wrist forearm area and rest it on the patient's shin to kind of brace that arm. So depending on where I am in the knee and what I'm doing, I'm using my elbows or my forearms to brace against some other structure to give me better control of the saw. So those are little simple things that you can play around with and figure out what to do. The plunging is a thing that you need to just learn, um, which comes with practice, but having an idea in your head of how deep is the bone that I'm cutting? Is it a small size or a big size femur? Because you need to understand how deep you need to go and make sure that if it's a small bone and you're plunging, even though you didn't feel it go through that far side, that you need to stop. Um, but the other important thing is sort of medial to lateral. I've talked about it sort of in the beginning where if you have wider bone, if you cut right down the middle, your saw blade can get incarcerated. So what you need to do is really cut from an edge. So I always have people, and I myself always cut the edges first, especially like on a femur or a tibia, because if you cut the margins, you're less likely to blow out the corners where the osteophytes are. So if you cut in the middle and then the, the flat saw blade comes to the end, especially in softer bone, you break off these little marginal fractures. So you try to cut to the edges. Um, and I, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to the 
the steps in the knee where I talk about the femur and the tibia because I go into a lot of detail there about how I cut my tibia, you know, medial. There's two steps to the medial cut, a central cut, and two steps to the lateral cut, and there's a very specific way I go across. Um, and the same thing on the femur, the way that I cut my chanfers, there's a very special way to go across. But that's specific to those things. But you need to learn the muscle memory because when you do different implant systems, even the angle of the chamfer cuts is slightly different. So if you have a doc that does thousands of a particular system, you know, most of us, even without the jig, could come pretty close to freehanding it because we've learned the muscle memory. And the muscle memory is dependent on both the cutting guide and the implant system and the leg position. So what you'll notice is that certain docs have a very specific algorithmic way of when I cut here and when I cut there, the knee is at this position of flexion or this position, because by flexing it more or less, you're changing the pitch of those chanfers and you're changing the pitch of the cuts. So you have to put your hand into a different position. And it's really hard to change constantly. So if you notice, this is that step back is look not just at the step, but look at what's going on in the room and at the table. And if the attending is putting the knee in a certain position for you, get accustomed to where the knee is and try to recreate that knee flexion or position every single time that you cut because you're going to build up the muscle memory. But this is where it also becomes important to understand the saw, and this is what you can really learn, is that you need to hear and feel. And what I mean by that is that when someone uses the saw well and they cut, there's a certain sound to the saw. And if you're binding or you're pushing hard and the saw blade's getting stuck, there's a different sound that when the saw blade is cutting freely. So occasionally people just push too hard. Back off, don't put as much pressure, let the blade do the work. That is most important in hard sclerotic bone. So as you're pushing with the saw and you feel it sort of bind, even though it can move side to side, just back off the pressure because the more you push, if you hit sclerotic bone, you may deflect the blade and now that's gonna throw your saw cut off. So as you're pushing, just push less hard, let the blade do the work and walk it side to side. But also, you want to look in here as to what's going on with the guide. You know, you can use either an open cutting guide or a closed. So if you have captures, you know, what some people call the training wheels, there's a good and a bad to that. So I find sometimes the captures prevent people that don't have good saw skills from the blade going way medial or lateral and injuring soft tissue structures. However, if you have a captured guide, I think people are more prone to make errors in the saw cut because if the tolerances, usually these are older guides that have been worn down, if the tolerances aren't great, you still have a lot of play as far as varus valgus rotation and flexion extension. Um, And with the captured guide, you may not recognize that. So understand without a captured guide, if you put the saw blade on the captured guide, let's say for example, we're doing the anterior cut on the femur. You got your four-in-one cutting guide, uncaptured, you're cutting on top of the blade. If you have your hand up high, the blade is going to hit the bone and just touch the front. And you realize, oh, okay, I'm going to dive down. That's going to cause a notch. Okay, so I'm going to drop my hand. But if you drop your hand and the blade is sitting at the very front of the four-in-one cutting block, like, oh, I'm not going to cut enough bone. So my component's not going to fit on there. So you need to put the blade flat on top of the cutting guide. But then what you notice is if you pull down, so the blade's flat on the cutting guide, pull down a little harder, the blade's going to bow. And then what's going to happen, you're going to see the cutting teeth are going to kick up a little bit. So there's a certain amount of force that you need to have to hold the blade flat on the cutting guide and then to cut at that plane. And then that's going to give you a flat cut. So you may want to take off 
the capture and just to look and see and get used to what the feel is. Okay, I'm cutting on the guide, not just through the guide, because when you cut through the guide, you have more of a tendency to make some errors. And this is where you need to recognize when you make a cut, especially if a attending goes back and checks it or you put the implant on, it doesn't fit and you have to recut, is why did you have to recut? Were you high on one side or the other? So this is the common other area where I see people make mistakes is that let's say we're doing a right total knee and you're right-handed standing on that side of the table that as you cut across, the weight of the saw and the battery drops. So the further people reach across the table, as the saw drops, they're more likely to kick that saw blade up, whether or not you're cutting the tibia or cutting the femur. So you just want to be aware of that up and down. But the other, and probably the more common mistake that I see people make, which is very hard and difficult to rectify, is torquing of the saw blade. So the way that you can do this is when you get done a cut is take the saw blade out and look at the saw blade and see, did I scuff it on the right or the left side of the blade? And that lets you know if you were turning your hand internally or externally. So this becomes a wrist and a shoulder thing. So again, as you reach across the body and you're cutting the tibia, or you're cutting the femur, if as you reach across, most commonly, you know, people push the, the saw blade across and they'll internally rotate it towards them as their elbow comes up. So you'll see sort of that scuffing on the top right-hand side of the blade. If Again, we're talking right-handed person, right-handed knee, standing on that side of the table, and the bottom of the left side of the blade. But you have to hear that sound. So as soon as you hear that sound, when you start to teach yourself to listen for it, you'll derotate it. You'll, you'll, you'll be cutting, flush, flat, nice, smooth, hear that sound, and you'll recognize the why, and you can turn your hand, and you will, over time, then develop that muscle memory to prevent that from happening. So you'll catch it earlier, you'll correct it quicker to the point where you don't have to correct it because you're doing it correctly the whole time. But if you're not thinking this way and you're not aware of what you're doing with the saw, and it's easy. I mean, we're human, so it gets frustrating, right? You know, the attendees go, stop, 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 stop. And they grab your hand, and then you get flustered. So, you know, now your heart starts racing. You think, what am I doing wrong? So you overcorrect it. Now you make it worse, and it sounds worse. And then occasionally they take the saw from you. But if you can think and be aware of what you're doing with the saw and really think of, okay, I'm cutting on the guide, not just through the guide. I need to cut flat. I need to control my hands, my wrists, my elbows. I need to make sure that I'm not torquing the blade and I need to listen and I need to feel and if I'm pushing too hard and the, and the saw is binding, I just need to back off on my saw blade a little bit. That will help you control the saw and make better cuts. And even now, you know, for me, you know, I measure one, two, three times and then cut and then I recut. I always check my distal femoral and my tibial cuts, even when I'm cutting it. So I'll make my distal femoral cut and then once I go my medial through lateral cut, I again make a pass and making sure that my blade is on my cutting guide and I go straight down the middle. And I make sure that that, not only that I'm cutting flat on the cutting guide, but that my medial lateral sides are equal. So if I'm high on one side or the other because I moved my saw blade or that one side was sclerotic, I can now go back and just kind of dust it and refreshen it to make sure that I cut as, as flat as possible. Same thing on the tibia. I cut my tibia, medial through lateral, take the tibia off, look, come right through from front to back, right down the middle, and assess my slope, 
and my medial and lateral? And did I drop my hand or rotate my hand or did the sclerotic bone kick my saw blade? And if I need to freshen up a little side, I just take the time. Because if you can take the time to recheck it and freshen it, the jig's in there, you will learn your tendencies faster and it prevents the problem of getting to the end where you go to trial and your balancing's off and now you're trying to chase and figure out which cut was it, where's the jig, I need to recut. So make sure you take the time to refreshen those cuts and make sure that each cut is as perfect as you need it to be. Um, but more importantly, control the saw. Control the hand, control your elbow, control your wrist. Watch that you're cutting on the guide, not just through the guide if you're using a captured guide. You know, be aware of the torque of the blade and just be aware of the sound of what you're listening to um, and that the difference in the pressure um, and how that can affect the saw blade and alter your cut so you can make a more accurate cut. So it's a whole lot of information. This is one that I think you maybe listen to, go to the operating room at the end of the day, kind of come back and just you know, listen to it again to hear a couple little cues. Oh yeah. And to watch this or watch that, or, you know, write down as you're listening to this, you know, a couple little tidbits of, you know, torque, hand, elbows, wrist. But again, watch the surgeons that you work with that you think are technically sound and not just watch the knee, watch what they're doing with their body. How do they stand? Where do they stand? Where do they put their hands on the saw blade, on the patient, on their body, to control the saw well so they can make a very good, accurate cut. Um, So thanks for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. Uh, If you have friends, colleagues that you really think would benefit from this information, share this podcast episode with them. And until next time, you've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.